Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Um, today is Vision Sunday. It's a great time of our year where we look back at 2014, look ahead to 2015, and we do something that's as part of our bylaws. We take our congregational vote, which is really very simple, affirming the things the elders and staff have put forth before you. Um, in some ways, it's a formality because um, usually it passes with, with a pretty high percentage. But the reason we do that on Sunday morning is we want you to know what you're giving to, what you're serving is accomplishing. What we as a church are doing, it's pretty amazing. When you think back, we as a staff every Monday share the wins of what God has been doing on the weekend. And I wish you could hear the stories of what God has done. Uh, marriages turned around, lives saved from the brink of disaster, uh, people who've been um, spiritually confused, finding hope and finding direction through the scriptures. So we want to look at that today. And to start off, I want to share with you a scripture that, that um, God spoke to me in a powerful way on Monday in my quiet time. It has to do with prayer because we all would acknowledge that prayer is important. But we have to be reminded again and again just how important it is because um, this past Tuesday was our last corporate prayer night for 2014. And uh, we do it on Tuesday nights twice a month. We're not going to be doing it in 2015. Uh, partly, maybe mainly because we went from about 120 people when we first began this down to about a dozen. And I don't know if, it just, if people are just too busy or prayers become unimportant, but we, we're not going to lower the importance of prayer. We're going to try to push it in every meeting you have, every small group you meet in, every ministry you serve in, that prayer is an incredible part of it. So I want to share with you some, some thoughts about prayer and what God's shared with me because it's important as a church to know that what we do as a church has to be grounded in prayer, has to be birthed in prayer. And that the church exists to serve Jesus and his purposes. We don't have a denominational headquarters that tells us what to do. We don't have a, a strong eldership or even a strong senior pastor that says, this is my church, this is what we're going to do. We don't have strong families within the church and says, you know, I've been members of this church for decades and that's what our, this is the way my church is going to be. We humbly come before Jesus and say, it's your church. What do you want your church to do? So before we read this passage and I share it, I want you to pray with me. That, Father, you'd speak to us through this, and, and also, Lord, that you'd speak to us through the whole message today. Uh, it's a different kind of a message. It's a message acknowledging what you've done, the awesome things you've done this past year. And I pray, Lord, that you would use, uh, use me and everyone else who stands up here over the next uh, 45 minutes to share the power of, of these testimonies and the stories and the statistics and the things you've done, Father, through this church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the passage I read this week from... Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, David is now the king. He just was installed as a king over both Judah, which was one of the tribes of Israel, and all the other tribes, which was called, if you read scripture, they're called Israel, even though it's all of Israel except for this one tribe called Judah. Well, Judah had been loyal to David, but now the whole group says, we're going to come under David's headship. He's the guy God's chosen. Well, when he does that, when, when those people all align under David, it stirs up opposition from a group that was a perpetual pain in the side of the Israelites, a group called the Philistines. So here's what they say. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, so David inquired of the Lord. Key phrase. My Bible, I underline it. David did what? He inquired of the Lord. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go. For I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as the waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. Another key phrase. God did something powerful right before David's eyes. So that place was called Baal-perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more, 
the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. They're stubborn Philistines. So David inquired of the Lord. There it is again. And he answered, God answered, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Now, three profound lessons that, that, that just jumped out of this passage to me, and I think applies directly to you, to our church. Number one is before you ever move, take a step forward. You ask God. Inquire of the Lord. God, what would you have us do? What would you have me do? See, David had defeated Goliath. Remember that big story? David had defeated uh, many other armies. When the Philistines start coming, it, it, David easily could have said, I know what to do. I know that God doesn't like the Philistines. I'm just going to go off and knock some heads, beat those guys down, just like it happens every other time. But David said, nope, not going to move. Need to ask God. Kind of like, got to ask mom and dad permission. Just because just you think they're going to give you permission doesn't mean you skip over that step. Ask permission. How many of us make decisions in our lives, a purchase, a person we're dating, a job decision, and we have not even bothered to ask God what God thinks of that? And why? Because, well, we know. I know all that. I don't need to ask God. I know what he wants me to do. Do you really? Do you really know what God wants you to do? Before you take a step, inquire of the Lord. Secondly, God's instructions yesterday may not be God's instructions for today. His directions today may be different than what they were yesterday. See, when David first asked God, God says, here's how you're going to do it. When David came back the next time, God says, well, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to do it a different way. You're going to come around behind them. It's going to be a little different. Same end result, but a little different strategy. Again, Sometimes God tells us something. We, we really believe God spoke to us. We say, well, God, you told me that five years ago. You told me that 10 years ago. God says, absolutely, I did. But today I'm telling you something different. And today the strategy is going to be different. Churches really have to grab a hold of this. Because when this church began in 1956, it began with a vision from God to be a certain kind of church. Well, 50-some years have passed. We moved from a little building down in security up to a very um, visible piece of land up here. We have people all over the city coming to this church. So we have to continually ask ourselves, God, what, what do we do now? There are different people coming here that used to come. The age demographic within our church is different. So therefore, we have to ask God, God, what, do you, what would you have us do? Because God's strategy today likely will be different than it was 10 years ago, 20, 50 years ago. It might even be different than it was a year ago. So we always ask God. Now, I will have one caveat in here. Um, when you married your spouse, that's a covenant. That's, that's not a, necessarily a directive from God. God usually doesn't tell us, marry that person. It's a choice we make. I just want to tell you, don't come away from this service saying, Pastor Darren said um, that we can pray and maybe God's going to get me out of my marriage. You know, maybe what he told us back then when we got married isn't true today. You know, I just want to assure you, when you said for better or for worse, you, you meant it. <laughs> and, and you stick to that. But when you, when you come to strategies and plans, that's what you have to do. You have to lay them before the Lord. And then here's what else happened in both cases. When he moved forward, when David obeyed God, God moved out in front of him, gave him victory. In both cases, it says the, that God went out in front of him, that God did the fighting. David just mopped things up. Do you know that God wants to work in your life far more than you do? Far more than you want him to? That if you would open up yourself to God and say, God, would you, 
Would you come in my marriage? Would you come in my finances? Would you come into my parenting relationship? God gets out in front of us, and all of a sudden, God starts to orchestrate things and move things around. And sometimes we, we, we're just amazed, going, God, wow, how, how this all came together. And God says, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I do. I move out in front of you. Because David did as the Lord commanded. When you align yourself with God's will, through God's word, you will find victory. God gives us direction. Every time we do God's will, God's way, God works. So, Prayer is so critical. And as we prayed as a church, as we prayed as elders and as staff, we've, uh, we've, we've asked God, God, what's your direction for us now? And this past August, our elders were on a retreat, and uh, we, we prayed Friday night for all night. We just prayed for the longest period of time, one of the longest prayer sessions I've ever had with a group of people. I kept waiting for someone to say amen and to put the stamp on it, and nobody did. And we just kept praying. And pray. We exhausted ourselves in prayer, which is really good. It was really therapeutic. Because we, we just laid everything before the Lord. And then when we came back together the next morning, said, God, um, is our mission still the same? And we felt God affirmed that. Yes, our mission still is this, helping more people more often say yes to God. It's very simple, but that's what our mission is. We want to stick to that. It hasn't changed. It's basically the Great Commission. Bring people to a place where they surrender to Jesus, but they keep that attitude, that practice all through their lives. Then we asked about the vision. Are we going in the right direction as a vision? Now, every church will have a different vision. We may all have basically the same mission to reach people for Christ, disciple them, but how do we carry that out? Well, there's, in, the, in the past several years, we've focused on three key components of our vision, and I want to actually um, share with you that the elders believe that there's one other one that we need to add to it to elevate its importance. So number one is connecting seekers, to connect seekers. In John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If there's only one thing we can do as a church, it's to bring people into relationship with Jesus. I'm happy with that. I'd rather have them get that down than anything else. If we can lead people to Jesus, God can do a lot with that. But that's the starting point. Now, the next step of that is getting them connected to his body, which is the church. I believe that God formed local churches in places for us to come together as the foundation for our growth. Now, we don't make a real big deal about membership. We don't talk about that every week here. But biblically, membership is a, is a key thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that we are all members of one body. Now, when you're a member, that means you're connected. You're connected to a body. And you care about the other parts of the body. So that's what membership really is. It means I'm connected to a group of people. I'm doing God's work with this group of people. That is my church family. So if you're not a member, I'd encourage you, become a member here. Go public and say, this is the group of people the motley bunch that I want to be associated with. You know, I'm okay with that. I love to be associated with this group of people. So, connect seekers. Secondly, grow believers. To grow believers. In uh, Colossians chapter 2, Paul says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. So, just continue to grow. It's not just getting saved. It's growing as a believer, it's, it's becoming all that God's put in you to be. It's, it's becoming like Jesus. It's knowing Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and bringing other people to Jesus. And so sometimes people stop at first base, like, okay, I know, I know Jesus. Well, have you become like Jesus? Is your character like Jesus? Is your heart like Jesus? That's a lifelong process. And then are you introducing other people to Jesus? Are you becoming a fisher of men? 
If not, that's what God wants. That's why he's left us on this planet, to be part of that process. So we grow believers. The end of spiritual growth is reproduction. It's just not, I, I pack more and more Bible knowledge in my head. It's that I'm helping a, to my kids, I'm helping my family, I'm helping my friends, I'm helping strangers grow in their faith. Third one is strengthening families. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You and I have one of the most difficult challenges before us, and that's raising up a godly family. It's hard to have a Christ-centered marriage. It really is. Even for church attenders. I mean, obviously for church attenders, it's, it, it ought to be a focus. But if you don't go to church, it's even harder. Um, so we want our families to be anchored in Christ. We want Christ to be constructing our family. He's not talking about the, the, the house. He's talking about the home, the, the people within the home. Unless the Lord does, it's going to fail. So you need to have the Lord in the center of your marriage, helping your marriage be all that God wanted it to be. Do you know your marriage, my marriage, is a reflection to our kids, to our neighbors, to our friends of, of what it ought to look like in heaven, of serving one another. It's, it's symbolic in the Bible of Christ's love for his church. And so we want to model that within it. And then we want to pass it on to our families. We want our kids to grab a hold of this baton of faith and run with it on their own, to have their own faith. In fact, in our full vision statement, we say this. We want to see parents and children walking the spiritual journey together, fostering a multi-generational heritage of faith. We want to see you go to a church that your kids attend and your grandkids attend, maybe even your great-grandkids attend, and that when you are celebrating things at your house and you want to pray, it's not this strange, awkward moment because you guys all believe in the same God. You all love the same Lord. And so we want to see that. I've seen so many Christians who've been part of churches and church leaders, elders, staff members, who have been in the church for decades and they, they kind of hang their heads saying, you know, my, my adult children don't go to church anymore or my grandkids don't go to church. And it breaks my heart. I, I don't want to be an old man and look down my family tree and... And, and look at kids who have given up on God. I, I want to keep us all together. So those are the first three, and we've had a, a, a picture in the foyer of those three things, but we're adding a fourth one as we enter into this new year, and it's called the Impacting Communities. Because there's a lot of communities that are represented here. Fountain Valley, Falcon, Broadmoor Bluffs area, um, Midway, Pueblo, a lot of different communities. And wherever God has us live, we want to make an impact. And we've done that in the past through the Thanksgiving Baskets, through helping um, at the rescue mission, the, the human trafficking task force, we've helped with that. We've uh, helped with crisis pregnancy. Well, there's a lot of good things happening within our city that we need to partner with. We, we need to see mission work not as something you have to cross an ocean to do. It's something that you can do right in your neighborhood, that we of all people ought to have that compassion that says we will serve our community. And it says in the scriptures, in, um, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, that let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so that's our desire as a church, to, to really raise that value too, that we in our spiritual growth would realize it's just not about me getting to heaven, it's about me making a difference in other people's lives. So as we look back on this last year, I want to share a few of the highlights. There's been a lot of areas of growth. For example, we've seen growth in our weekend services. We've uh, seen people get more and more engaged in worship. We've watched you just grow in passion. We've heard stories of people who said, you know, we came to this church with the goal to visit two or three different churches. This was the first one on our list, and we never got to church two or three because we were so uh, moved by the worship. We felt God's presence, and we hungered for that. That's our desire, that you encounter God in the midst of worship, and that when you hear the word, you hear God's voice speaking to you. 
and that you, you recognize God has something good and truthful to speak into your life. And so we've, we've gone through books of the Bible like 1 Samuel. We went through many chapters of that for the first five months of the year. We talked about spiritual growth <clears throat> excuse me, through the summer. Uh, we had a period of time where we dealt with tough questions. You might remember that. I think one of a very significant sermon series, we asked ourselves questions like, does God love the homosexual? Is there only one way to get to heaven? It, can you really trust the Bible? What about pain and suffering in the world? How do we deal with these issues that often drive people away from the church? We dealt with a tough issue back in April on divine healing. It's, some churches, kind of a hush-hush deal we don't talk about. Other churches, it's, it's something every week. It's the focus of every weekend service. And we recognize, when we read Scripture, that God still is in the miracle-working business. And so there was a Sunday in April where we talked about healing and that God invites us to ask him to do a miracle. And we invited you to come up and, and seek prayer for maybe a physical malady you're struggling with. And I want to tell you that, that there were um, some people that day that walked out feeling like they did when they came in. But there are also people that day that walked out healed. In fact, there was an older lady at our um, 755 service I saw today. She came forward that Sunday. And on her walk to the front, she was going to pray with Pastor Rick. And before she got up to him, she said, well, I came up here to have you pray for my leg, but it doesn't hurt anymore. It hasn't hurt since April. She believes God's healed her. Um, there was a man that came forward for prayer for cancer, and he wasn't healed. We had his funeral service here at the church this summer. At that funeral service was a lady that said, you know, you prayed for that man on that Sunday. And I said, you know, I, I always want to ask God to do those great things. And she said, well, I want you to know I was another one you prayed for that Sunday, and I was healed. So we had a number of stories of people. And so when we invite you to come up for prayer, we want you to believe in a God who does miracles. Our attendance has grown. About a, we're averaging about 97, close to 100 more than we were a year ago. We've had 208 baptisms so far this year. There'll be three at the next service. It's been one of the most exciting things we do as a church is baptize people. In fact, Father's Day was one of the highlights of my whole ministry in this church. 73 people were baptized on Father's Day. Some people who've been prayed for for months and years, decades, decided that day to surrender to Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a moving day. Little, little children, you know, five and six years of age, all the way up to, to, to men in their 80s. It, it was a glorious day, fantastic day. We've seen um, growth, excuse me, in the baptisms, a third of those have been kids. From, from early childhood all the way up to... Um, 18 years of age, one-third of them, kids. We've had 127 new members this year. Um, our giving is up 9 to 10% where it was a year ago. And you've been very generous in, in responding to the Lord. And the number one reason we give is not to meet a budget, it's to honor God. And what, what we've been able to do with the money over budget is we always spend under budget, but if there's a money extra, we look at needs. And we've helped some missionaries with some things. We've helped finish the care center. We've paid down some debt. We've replenished um, our uh, capital improvements account. that was very low. We've done things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Um, we even actually hired two staff members and moved them from part-time to full-time because of that overs. They weren't in the budget. But because we had extra money, we were able to bring um, Jake Ainsworth on full-time with our student ministry. We were able to bring Doris full-time with our pastoral care ministry. And they've both been fantastic additions to our staff. So that's been a, a good area of growth. There have been a lot of events this year that I could talk about, a lot of ministries, but I don't have time to go through all of them. What comes to mind is VBS, our church picnic, Fall Fest, 
the women's retreat that had over 100 ladies go and hear Lisa share some powerful messages on prayer, some really good events that took place. But I think one of the, the biggest areas of excitement this past year was the growth of our pastoral care department. We have, is it 15 or 14? 14 interns that work with us that meet with individuals to provide godly counsel on a weekly basis. Any given week, there may be 60 to 80 appointments that go on in our care center. Now, the care center just opened up a few weeks ago. If you've not been there, you should just go and visit sometime. It has private rooms. It has, it has uh, comfortable rooms where people can come in and talk about the difficult things they're struggling with in their marriage, in their personal life, um, all kinds of issues. And I'm not trained to deal with all those issues, but our, our counselors help greatly to deal with those issues. We, we help people with benevolence, with um, help with rent and food boxes, and we gave out 188 Thanksgiving baskets at Thanksgiving time. We have a number of classes that help people work through issues ranging from grief share to divorce care to healing journey to all hope restored, which deals with domestic violence victims. And starting the first of the year, we'll start a new program called um, Celebrate Recovery. And the leader's right over here. And thank you so much for, um, you know, God brings the right people Almost all of those groups were started because God brought someone to this church who had a passion for that area of ministry. And so we're just so blessed to have those things going on within our pastoral care department. But another area, maybe the area I'm most excited about was the growth in our next-gen ministry. If you remember a year ago when I stood here, I introduced to you someone that we just had hired, our next-gen pastor, Sam Sylvia. Sam, I'm going to have you come up and get ready to speak. Don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. Wait till you hear me talk before you get too excited, Okay. He's not that good, okay? No, Sam, Sam's been a godsend, really. And, you know, we took a gamble because he had not been a pastor in a church before. We just watched his heart, loved his understanding of, of the values that we, that we held on to as a church. And one of the goals was we, we wanted to bring our children's area, student ministry area under the under umbrella to where they're, we are starting when kids are little, building a foundation that every year we build on it until the time they get out of high school, we launch them out into the world. Because there's a trend in a lot of churches where kids, when they get to be um, juniors and seniors in high school, they drop out of church. They're bored with it. They've, they've like peaked in those early high school years. We want, we want the senior year of high school to be the most exciting year of ministry for our students. We want them to look forward to the challenges that, that, that come. And we're not there yet with everything, but here's what we did in June. We decided to um, split up our student ministry into three different groups. It used to be 6th grade through 12th grade. If you if you ever put a 6th grader and a 12th grader in the same room, they're like they're like fish and turtles. There's like there's nothing common about them. Okay? So we decided we need to do something with it, so we started three youth groups. We've got a 5th and 6th grade youth group called Route 56. And, and those kids love it. They they have teaching geared to them. They have small group leaders who help them apply God's word. We have um, a middle school ministry that's really junior high ages, just 7th and 8th grade. And they meet on Wednesday night and they can focus on issues relevant to them. And then Sunday night, the high school kids can come and get all those little kids out of their hair and they can be here with the ninth through 12th graders and get messages that are hard-hitting, relevant to them and they break into small groups and again, get the, through the week and get the word applied to them. Our high school group, for example, a year ago was running in the high teens, maybe up to 20 kids on Wednesday night. This past Sunday, there were over 50 kids at our high school youth group. So um, we're making progress. We're seeing them grow in worship. We're seeing them grow in serving within the church. We've got some right down in the cheering section, right down here in front. Yeah. Aren't you, aren't you glad they're, they're going to take over the front of the church one of these days? Now I want to give you um, Sam Silvius who will share with you 
some of the new things coming in 2015 and how you can partner with Next Gen for the next chapter of their ministry. So now you can, he's good. Well, hey, good morning. Uh, I'm thrilled to be here and tell you about Next Gen Ministry. Um, one real quick note, I'm so proud uh, of what's happened in our high school students. When we moved them uh, away from middle schoolers, we had um, about six to eight of them that said, yeah, we're glad that we don't have to be there, but we want to be there. And so we have about eight middle sc- or high school students now that show up on Wednesday night and actually serve uh, the middle schoolers as small group leaders. It's phenomenal to watch. So um, what, what God is doing in their lives is just amazing. But um, if I was going to say uh, to you that we have one goal, one kind of mission statement for all of NextGen, from two-year-olds all the way through high schoolers, that would sound uh, pretty audacious. That's a pretty big statement to say that that's the goal, but it's true. And I can sum it up um, with two words. Are you ready? Lee, um, think small. Think small is the two words. Now that, that sounds counterintuitive, but let me tell you a story that's going to explain what I mean. About uh, eight months ago, um, I was lying in bed. It was about 9.30 at night, and my cell phone was on my nightstand, and um, you know, we were getting ready to go to bed. My wife and I, my kids were finally asleep, and, and my phone goes off. Now we have a rule in my house that uh, we don't text after 8.30 p.m. Um, that's family time. That's Michelle and I's time. We don't text after 8.30. Just, it doesn't happen. And we also have a rule um, that if I get a text from a member of the opposite sex, the first thing I do is hand my phone to my wife and say, you need to read this so you know what I'm talking to this girl about, okay? I love you, ladies. I love my wife more, okay? So we're protecting my marriage. And so my phone goes off at 9.30, and I casually look over to see who's texting me at 9.30, and my heart sank. And I handed the phone to my wife. I said, you need to read this. And then I said, I need to break the rule. Because what gives a rule if you don't break it, right? So I said I need to break the rule. What had happened is one of our young ladies was on her way to the hospital because she was suicidal. And so I began texting with her and sending her scriptures to encourage her and sending her words of encouragement and praying for her via text message. And I continued to text with her all the way until she was checked into the hospital and they took her phone away from her. And then over the next couple of weeks, I would go visit her and pray with her and um, encourage her and meet with her. And then after she was um, out of that program, she came back to our ministry and um, we continued to just um, come around her and support her and give her the the love and the encouragement that she needed and to continue to pray with her and send her scriptures and that kind of thing and just continue to build her up. Um, And it it was amazing. It was amazing to watch her journey from suicidal to, no, I'm good, I trust God and I want to serve him. It was It was an amazing thing to watch. But here's the thing. I can't do that for every student. I can't even do it for all that many. But I can do it for one or two. And there's three or four students, and you guys know who you are, that talk to me almost every single Sunday night about the struggle that's going on in their life. And I love sitting with them and praying with them and going deep in their lives. But I can't do that for every student. But I can do it for three or four. And John can do it for three or four. And Andrew can do it for three or four. And Kyle can do it for three or four. And Paxton can do it for three or four. And Morgan can do it for three or four. And if we all do it for three or four or five or six, then every kid gets a place to belong and someone who believes in them. 
And if we can do that, if we can give every kid a place to belong and someone to believe in them, I believe that we will change their future. And I could tell you story after story after story after story in every single area of NextGen how small groups are working, how fifth and sixth graders are talking to their small group leader about cutting, how elementary kids are seeing faith lived out and want their small group leaders to baptize them because finally God is real, because it's real in that person. See, it's difficult for a kid to understand a concept of God who seems somewhat abstract. He's kind of out there, and it's hard to understand who the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is, but it's really easy to understand who the God of Sidney and Michael and Carlos is because it's real right in front of them. And so what we're moving to is in every age group from two-year-old through high school is to try and get every kid a place to belong and someone to believe in them, a small group for every kid all the way from two years old through high school. And you might think, why does a two-year-old need a small group? Well, because a two-year-old knows adults and then knows adults that love them. And they can tell the difference. And it's huge, the impact you'll have in a two-year-old's life if they know that every time they come to church, this person's going to be here and is going to be excited to see them. Because really, how many of you are excited to see two-year-olds, right? But this person is. This person is glad I'm here. This person is happy that I'm screaming and running and getting into everything. And so if we can do that for every kid, we'll radically change the future. Because the goal is not to teach the Bible. The goal is not to teach behavior. We want good behavior. We want them to know the Bible. We want them to understand those stories, but that's not the goal. Dare I say the goal is not even personal salvation. Although that's a big step, that's a huge piece, it's very important. We do teach that and push that, and we want to see every kid come to know to Christ, but that's not the goal. The goal is when they leave here at 18 years old that they will have a deeply rooted, Christ-centered, biblically-founded worldview. Because that's what carries faith through a lifetime. A worldview that is based on Christ and who he is and on his scripture. And if we can do that for every kid, we'll, dra- we'll dramatically change the world. So how do we do that? Well, we want to be orange and we want to partner with you. And we hope that's your goal at home as parents to build that in your lives. And so we have these family experiences. The next one's going to happen on December 19th in the Next Gen Worship Center. We'd love for all of you to come out um, and check that out. It's going to be hilarious. If you saw what we did at Fall Fest and you saw what we did um, at VBS this is better, okay? So um, it, it just, it's great to see. Um, it's a lot of fun, and it's a chance for you to worship with your kids and to hear a, a gospel-centered message with your kids. Um, and so invite your families, invite your neighbors, invite um, coworkers to come and hear this message because this is a great way to introduce them to the church that's very non-threatening. All right, so uh, December 19th at 6.30 p.m., we have some invite cards over on the NextGen side if you want to come to that. Now, the other thing that we do um, outside of our regular programming, which is really small group centric, the other thing that we do um, is large group events. And you think, well, why do, how do large group events and small groups coexist? Well, it's really simple. When you take a group of students to Tulsa, Oklahoma, like we're doing twice in February, you get 36 hours in a van with those students. That pretty much doubles the amount of time we get with them here during the year. And so if we're focused on small groups, we take our small group leaders to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they hang out with an entire weekend, we've doubled the impact that we get to have relationally. And so we're doing that for fifth and sixth graders in early February, taking them to something called Superstart. Um, and then we're doing it again for our middle schoolers two weeks later, actually just one, it's like one week in between. So Morgan Fisher is um, really gunning for me. So guardians, just kind of keep an eye on her, William, um, as we get closer to February, because her husband's going to both of those. 
And, um, and then um, we also have coming up uh, an event for high schoolers called Dare to Share. That's up in Denver. And so we'll go up there for three days uh, with our high schoolers, and they will learn how to share the gospel, what the gospel is, and then get an opportunity to share the gospel with their small group leader and have this experience with a person who is in their life, walking with them day in and day out. And these experiences solidify that relationship so that they can see what it looks like when an adult really lives for Christ. And so if you want to pray for next gen, pray that we would think small. Yes, that's something to cheer about. Okay, coming in the next year, I just briefly want to hit on three big priorities for the coming year. Number one, top of the list is adult discipleship. We recognize we've been without a pastor to oversee this area since May, and we are in the ending stages of offering someone this position. I am pretty confident that everything's going to work out. There's some key meetings this week, and then we'll make an offer, and hopefully they'll be starting January 1st. And the goal of that person is to pull together that whole group of great leaders and bring a common focus. Because we believe that, that we, are all, we all need to be heading the same direction. At the heart of our goal for adult discipleship is this, that if you're married, and I know not everybody is, if you're a single person, but especially if you're married, we want Christ to be center of that relationship. And there's nothing more effective in making it center than to have you as a couple involved in a small group together. Now, I know that's going to be a tough thing for some people because you're going to say, well, we don't like that. It's too, it's too vulnerable. My husband and I like going different directions. That's part of the problem is we get going different directions. And some, you know, men's things are good and women's things are good, but there has to be a place where you as a couple come together and grow together. Your best partner in your spiritual growth is your spouse. And so we need to grow. From, I'll just say for, for myself and my wife that we've, we've always gone to small groups together. It's been profound in the impact on our lives. We not only have grown together spiritually, we have other friendships with adult couples that we can do things with. So we're going to be pushing that hard this next year. Also, we want to um, really push for adults to find their place of ministry to serve. Um, I'll show you a picture of a guy that started coming here this past year. His name's Andrew Setzer. Andrew was at our Fall Fest in a big Winnie the Pooh costume, which shows you he, he's not afraid to be humble and just be himself. But he's up here on the worship team on Sundays quite often. But um, on Sunday nights, he's here helping with the kids. And he was privileged to be brought into the baptistry when there was a baptism recently. I asked Andrew, why do you, why do you serve? You know what he told me? He said, when I was in high school, my parents went through a divorce, and it was the youth group leaders in my church that carried me through that time, and I'd like to give back to some other kids who are going through similar kinds of issues in their lives. And if you're someone that cares for kids that way, maybe you're someone who's gone through some tough times, you found help in the Lord, talk to Pastor Sam and his team because you could be used by God in a very powerful way. So adult discipleship is number one. Number two is community impact. Community impact. Um, The church is at its best when the community is blessed. And we want to be a church that's, that's helping the community know Jesus through our actions. Um, sometimes people will come to church, but not always. Sometimes Jesus says, you do it simply because um, you're loving people. You're being that light in the dark world. And one of our biggest events coming up this next year that I'm so excited about, it's, it's going to be a huge undertaking. It's coming February 13th. It's called A Night to Shine. The Tim Tebow Foundation has contacted us and 50 other churches and said, we would like you to host an event that reaches out to the special needs young adults in your community to offer an unforgettable night. It's kind of like a prom. But, you know, there's not a lot of dancing, but really it's a time where people can get dressed up and treated like princes and princesses. And so we're expecting to bring in 100 special needs young adults from this 
Colorado Springs to this place, and we need a couple hundred adults who are going to be, and youth even, working beside them to make this night unforgettable. And so we're proud to partner with them. That's going to be a big impact for us. And uh, the third big goal is family ministry. We want to bring together all of our adult ministries, pastoral care, next-gen ministry, um, missions, uh, adult discipleship all together so we're working toward the same common purpose. We want to improve the events we do like for baby dedication, for graduations, those milestone events for kids' baptisms, those events within your lives. We had a group go to Mexico last summer, parents taking their kids. It was a phenomenal trip. And we want to celebrate those critical moments for families. We want to see marriages that last a long, long time and are not just enduring marriages but enjoyable marriages, God-centered marriages. So in just a few minutes, you're going to have a chance to vote. You're going to get a little card if you hadn't already. I'm going to actually jump the gun a little bit and ask, if you didn't get a card on, on the way in, raise your hand as I'm finishing up here. And the ushers, if you would come down the aisles with those cards and uh, give them to anybody who didn't get one, it's for members 16 years and older that you're invited to be part of this vote. So just keep your hand up until they, they get it to you. Um, here's four things that we ask of anyone who calls this their church home. Four critical things. Because membership means you're engaged in the mission of the church. Membership isn't getting a name on a roll. doesn't mean that when you die, you have a place to call your church home for your funeral. It means I'm engaged with that church family doing God's will in my community. So uh, number one, pray. Pray. Um, as I told you, prayer is so critical. We don't want to move forward without prayer. Number two, keep growing. Grow in your personal walk with the Lord. Get involved in things the church is offering for your spiritual growth. Keep going deeper in your faith. Develop those spiritual disciplines of study and service and, and, and prayer. Um, service. Jesus said, um, the greatest among you are those who serve. And so to be like Jesus is to be a servant. And one of the reasons we switched, we, we dropped our Saturday night service, frankly, was we need more people helping on Sunday morning with the kids. We can't be a church where people just come to worship and leave. Now, that, that may be offensive to some, but the honest truth is we have a window of time to impact these kids for eternity. We don't want to squander it. And so we're not ashamed to say, we need you to come to church one hour and to serve with our kids, maybe with the little ones, maybe with the teenagers, but we need you. Um, some of you have recognized the fact we've had to close doors on our kids' classes because of the ratios. We want those classes to be safe, but sometimes we max out. And it isn't because the room's not big enough, it's because we don't have enough leaders. So I ask you to, to consider that as a place of service. Your giving um, through, through financial ways helps us to support our missionaries. We're going to raise support for a missionary from this church who's going to go to Indonesia with his wife and kids next year. And uh, Ben and Heidi Fisher, we're excited about that. We're excited to be able to give food to people who come to this church in the food pantry. That's where we're going. That's just a glimpse of where we're going this next year. And I have to tell you, it's, ex it's exhausting and it's exhilarating. It's very tiring. You'll get worn down. This has been a hard year for our staff. It's been a hard year for me, but it's been one of the most exciting years. And we recognize those two go together. We didn't get in ministry to cruise to the final destination. We're the army of God called to serve. And God will do what he did for David. Come before us and do great things if we invite God into that. Now, I'm going to um, bring Tom Moore, chairman of our elders, up here. And while he's coming, I want you to watch the screens. This is... The kind of event we're going to offer February 13th, and Tom Moore, Chairman of the Elders, is the point man for Night to Shine. So here's a glimpse of it.
Thanks for listening to today's message. Be sure to join us again next time.